0: Our reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46, and can be found on page 1589 of the Bibles. Mary's Song And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as as he said to our fathers, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. I've taken my coat off so I can't speak for too long. You'll be pleased to know. (laughs) It's an ordinary Tuesday morning. It's raining outside and you're going about your day as normal. You've just had your breakfast, done the washing up, and just getting planned for what you've got to do. When suddenly, an angel appears and turns your world upside down. The angel says that you have been chosen by God himself to play a really important part in changing history. But the consequences for you will be that your friends and family will shun you, talk about you behind your back. Your reputation will be shattered and you will never be the same. Imagine, too, that you come to church on Sunday morning and one of the wardens greets you with a blessing that you've never heard before. What would be your response? If you're a more mature Christian than I, you may well have been saying with Mary, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. But if you're like me, you perhaps would have been saying, was this really a good idea? Somebody else would have been better, Lord. Or even, but I have plans, I, I planned my life. I know what I'm gonna do with it. Maybe another reaction that would have worked for you. After all, we, are all, we all know what we want and what we want is what is best for us. We live in a society today it is all about us as individuals. It's all about me because I'm worth it. Fortunately for us, this was not Mary's view of the world. Now this morning I would like to look briefly at Mary's reaction and to better understand what is going on, I want us to take us back really briefly to Genesis 3 when God spoke to the serpent. He said... I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is God speaking to the evil one, or as we know, Satan. And from that point on, Satan sets out on a historic struggle to stop this from happening. He thinks if he can somehow just break even one link of the chain of God's unfolding plan of redemption, then the promises of God would not be fulfilled. Now, anybody who has ever read the Old Testament, and even Jews today who read the Pentateuch, they have to say, who in the world is it that crushes the head of the serpent? Because from that moment on, perhaps every mother that ever gave birth to a Jewish child must have said, perhaps it's me, perhaps I will give birth to the one who will crush the serpent's head. Did Eve wonder whether she would give birth to this one? But no, as we know, she gave birth to Cain, and we knew what happened then. So how about Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, Hannah, Abigail, or even Ruth or Bathsheba, Did they wonder if they were going to be the one? So perhaps this was part of the world in which Mary lived. Because Mary, like everyone in Israel around her, was expecting God to fulfil his promise. And that meant a Messiah. She was living in a time when God had been silent for 400 years. This tiny battered nation of which Mary was a part, knew that they were a nation chosen by God. And as such, the people were clinging to an ancient promise of God, that he would redeem them and send them a savior. But that hope was like a tiny flickering candle passed from generation to generation until finally God spoke he spoke to a young teenage woman engaged to be married to a poor carpenter. And perhaps for a moment she wondered why God had chosen her. And I think he has chosen her for two reasons. Firstly, because she was so unlikely. We see this throughout the Bible. God never seems to choose the most obvious person, the firstborn, the strongest, the richest, the best-looking he always goes for the least likely person. For example, Moses was an old man who had killed a fellow countryman. Jacob, the youngest scheming sibling, chosen to be patriarch of a nation. Or how about Ruth, the young Moabite woman who eventually gave birth to Obed, a forefather of David. And then David, the youngest child, left out in the field to tend the sheep. But all of these Higgs had one thing in common, God's second reason. They believed in God, they trusted his promises, and they were, by and large, obedient to what he called them to do. In that regard, they were extraordinary. As Bill Meyer mentioned last week, this young pregnant teenager, Mary had an immense spiritual capacity to understand deep theological issues. She was most likely illiterate and uneducated as we understand it today. However, she must have worshipped at the temple and listened attentively to the scriptures being read and being explained. She must have memorised them and pondered on them in her heart. We know this is true because it's borne out later when we hear stories of when Jesus was a boy in the temple or when they ran out of wine and he did a miraculous transforming the water into wine he had said woman my time has not yet come but mary continued to ponder everything in her heart she was a thoughtful young woman who was more concerned about god than she was about herself so let's now turn our attention to mary's song also known as the magnificat because the first words in latin are magnificat anima mea dominum Magnificat is where we get our English word magnify. And I need to also say that Mary didn't sing this poem. We call it Mary's song, but this was not a biblical musical where Mary burst through the door and sang her greeting. No. It was rather in response to Elizabeth's welcome and blessing that Mary's joy and relief of being somewhere where she was safe and understood, all of that came bubbling up and spilling out in a Holy Spirit-inspired poem or song. What struck me as I was reading this was that Mary really, really knows her scriptures. Every single line of this song quotes or relates back to the Old Testament, bringing verses and promises to her present day. Not only that, Mary is speaking prophetically, so we see promises being fulfilled in Jesus, either in his life on earth or written about later in Revelation. In speaking prophetically, Mary speaks in the past tense because in her mind's eye, she sees everything as having already been completed. God had promised and is now taking action. He is providing the long-awaited Messiah, the one who will redeem her people and bring about his kingdom rule. And for that purpose, Mary is more than willing to sacrifice her life. Mary is a big picture girl. Her whole song is filled with reverence and awe. Even though she speaks briefly about herself, really this whole song is about God and prophetically about Jesus. Firstly, she is amazed that God has chosen her, a humble servant or slave of God. He could have picked literally anybody on the whole planet, but in his merciful love, he chose Mary. Secondly, she can't get over the fact that God would choose a sinner to bring forth a saviour. We only need a sinner because we have sinned. And Mary recognises that she is a sinner just like you and I. She rejoices in God who is her merciful saviour. And then she realises that down through the generations, others will realise just how much God has blessed her. Not through anything that she has done, but that it is God who has blessed her. Mary reflects on many qualities of God in this song his mightiness, his justice, his faithfulness. But I'm only going to look today at his mercy, otherwise, you will never go home. In fact, Every line of this song demonstrates God's mercy to mankind through his promises. His mercy extends to us when we, when we realise that we are indeed helpless to save ourselves. That we have no right in and of ourselves to claim special treatment from God. God himself takes the initiative in lives of men and women such as us. In fact, Jeremiah says, it is because of your great mercy, Lord, that we have not been consumed. Let's look at verse 50, where it says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. To clarify, those who fear him refer to those who live in awe and wonder, those who believe in God and follow him. In other words, those who know who God is, who are in a relationship with him, they are the ones that receive his mercy, which in turn moves them to honour him and to obey his commands in childlike reverence. It is in his mercy that God has performed his mighty deeds that we see in verse 51, where he performs them with his outstretched arm. We are reminded then of the story of God's people in Exodus chapter 6 when Moses spoke to Pharaoh and he said, Let my people go. God then reassured Moses with this statement, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. But what was merciful about this? The people in Israel were in captivity working as slaves and God had heard their cries and took pity on them. He didn't redeem them because they were wonderful people full of righteousness, but rather because God had promised to redeem them and bring them to the land that he had promised and make them a people after his own heart in order that they would serve as an example to the rest of the world. They would be able to show what God is like and how he cares for his people. So that is why it is God's mercy. As we look further on, we see that God scatters the proud. He brings down rulers and sends the riches way. Where, you may say, is the mercy here, especially if you are rich and a ruler. Well, we know that God is merciful and favours the poor, the humble and the needy. In fact, Jesus later talks about this in his Sermon on the Mount. But God is, in fact, merciful to the proud and the rich and the rulers by sending them away or bringing them down. Let me explain. If you remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar, when he stood on the parapet of his great palace in Babylon, perhaps the way some of us attempted to do with our little empires that we have built, whether financial empires, social empires, or even church empires, And we're tempted to stand up here and say to ourselves, is this not a great thing that I have built? But in the blink of an eye, God brought Nebuchadnezzar down. He lost his power, his palace and his mind. And he lived like a cow eating grass in a field. Until one day he finally came to his senses and realised that everything he had came from God. So when Mary says he sends the rich away empty, it's not that God takes the riches away from rich people, but rather he sends them empty. He does this to allow them to get richer and richer and richer. Because the richer somebody becomes, the more they understand their emptiness and their need of something, which is, in effect, Jesus Stuff doesn't satisfy, rather, it takes us away from God. So, this is God's mercy. He shows us our need. And this is why Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, Consider yourself, folks, there's not many among you who were mighty, there are not many among you who are powerful or even rich. Why not? because those very things that prevent an individual from admitting their hunger and their spiritual poverty and their need of God. So how about the proud? We see this a lot today and we often hear scientists and philosophers telling us that there is no God. There's no need to believe in God, obey his commands or even listen to his wisdom. But the Bible says, only a fool says there is no God. Well, we see this fallout from following this wise advice of ignoring God. Ruined lives, more mental health issues than ever before. But in time, rather like the emperor's new clothes, these empty lies are shown for what they truly are. The myths are debunked showing that God was indeed right all the time. In his mercy, he redeems us. Mary goes on in verse 54 to remember that God's mercy is for Abraham and his descendants forever. And that includes us. If we turn to Romans chapter 9, verses 6 to 8, Paul explains that it's not a matter of being physically descended from Abraham, but rather it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. And again in Galatians, Paul says, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. You see, that's what Mary was singing about. The sovereign God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob fulfilling the promise to the patriarchs by means of this most unlikely little girl. It was not just so that she would know God's mercy, but those who fear him would know his mercy, the descendants of Abraham. And that means us. So, what can we take away from this song? I think there's two things. Firstly, we need to consider our reaction to God's calling. When God interrupts our day and he asks some of, of us something that is well out of our comfort zone, can we respond like Mary with joy that God has chosen us, his lowly servants? Instead of moaning and groaning and arguing with God, Can we say, yes, Lord, may it be as you say? Can we also encourage others who are struggling to be obedient to God's call as well? Secondly, are we ready to acknowledge that God is indeed God and there is no other? Everything we have, whether our health, our wealth, our talents, they all come from God. And if we acknowledge all of this and seek him before everything else, he will fill us to overflowing with his Holy Spirit because of his never-ending, abundant, life-giving mercy. Let us pray. Father God, we want to thank you that you are a merciful God. Thank you that you gave us Mary. Thank you that she was obedient to you and that she could rejoice that her soul glorified you. In her obedience, we now have Jesus and we do not have words enough to thank you for the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Lord, we ask that this week we would be obedient to your calling, that we would understand your mercy, and that our lives would glorify you. Amen.